Well, it's been a nice day today here in Salford. How are you? It's Tuesday's Richie Allen Show. We've uh, we've come together again, you and me. It is uh, the 8th of August, 2023. I've got two very interesting people for you to meet. Do get in touch with me via the website or via the app for the programme. And tell me what you think about the issues being discussed on the programme. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Now, you might remember on Thursday, during the phone-in, Yvonne rang in with a fantastic call about the ether, about free energy, and the link with healing, the link between churches and architecture and sound healing of yesteryear. Well, Bex Clifton was listening to that and reached out to me and said, I'd like to come on and have a chat, Richie, because it's something I know a little bit about. Bex has a YouTube channel. She shares it with her friend Tash. It is known as the Tash and Bex Flex. They research all manner of things and they put together some really interesting videos on YouTube. So uh, Bex Clifton will be on. That's in the second hour. Before that, though, we're going to talk about something a bit distressing, I think. Did you know that Marshall Bioresources um, performs testing on beagles, the dogs, right? This is a terrible thing. There is a round-the-clock protest outside the gates of Marshall Bioresources. They don't stop, open, never close, 24 hours a day, 365 days of the year. There is a protest against the abhorrent things going on at Marshall Bioresources. And Helen Taylor from Camp Beagle uh, got in touch with me and said, Richie, would you speak to our spokesperson? His name is John Curtins. He, he wants to come on the programme to talk about this. John Curtins will be on the programme. He'll be with me this hour. As I said, it's distressing. If that's the sort of thing that makes you upset, you might not want to listen to it. But I think we, we might kind of need to listen to it. Tuesday's programme. Hope everything is going swimmingly in your world. Uh, I really do. I hope you've had a good day. And you're having a good week so far. Terry is first in today. How are you, Terry? He says, Richie, is there any chance you could wish my daughter Shona and Ethan a happy marriage this coming Saturday? Shona, he says, Shona is my only daughter and I'm going to miss her around the house. At least I have my dog Luna, he says. She's one in a million. Of course, Terry, and Terry's a long time listener and often contributes very interesting messages to the programme. So Shona and Ethan, if you happen to be listening, have an absolute blast on Saturday, the day of your union, your marriage. You'll have a wonderful time, so you will. And uh, by the tone of that message, Shona, you've got to be ringing your dad at least once every couple of days in the years to come because he's going to miss having you around as he said to me. So yeah, have a fantastic weekend. Everybody involved, I'm sure it'll be brilliant. Let's talk uh, at the start of the programme about the asylum seekers who are being moved, slowly but surely, not all of them of course, but some onto the barge. The barge. You know this, don't you? The Bibby Stockholm barge. Now, asylum seekers who say, no, I refuse to board it, are being threatened with having 
rights to government support withdrawn. So 15 people boarded the vessel on Monday, yesterday, but 20 flatly refused. Now, if they do not move on to the accommodation barge, by the end of today, their housing assistance could be withdrawn according to the government or sources close to the government in any case. Now, the Justice Secretary, Alex Chalk, was sent out to bat today on most media, most mainstream media uh, news channels. He went on to talk about this. He said the threat to withdraw state-funded support was unlikely to be illegal. We plan on saying, get on the barge or we will stop your housing assistance. And that's probably not illegal, he told the media today. And he went on to say that the British people have every right to say, this is what we're offering. It's the barge. It's not forced our accommodation, but it is perfectly safe. It's perfectly decent and it complies with fire safety checks and goodness knows what. Some scallywags in the conservative media were saying today that if some of these asylum seekers are claiming, as some seem to be, that they wouldn't want to be on the barge because they're scared of water. Some right-wing commentators are saying, well, you weren't very scared of the water now when you jumped onto the dodgy boat, the boat that you jumped on the raft to come from, from Cali. Anyway, now the deputy chairman of the Tories is a guy called Lee Anderson. He's been dubbed 30p Lee. You probably know this. Because he said, in his constituency, he said meals could be made for about 30p a day, right? And he said people coming to use food banks in his constituency would be given a mandatory teaching course, basically to teach them how to cook and how to live off of 30p. So he was given the moniker 30p Lee. Now the deputy chairman, as I said, of the Tories, Lee Anderson, has said of the asylum seekers who have refused to board the barge. He said that they should, quote, fuck off back to France, end quote. Now, the Justice Secretary, Alex Chalk, I mentioned him a moment ago, he was asked for a comment on this when he spoke with LBC's Nick Ferrari this morning. Your colleague, yeah. Lee Anderson, Tory Vice Chairman, has told Express.co.uk if they, the asylum seekers, don't like the barges, then they should clear off, I've changed that word, clear off back to France. Yeah. Does he speak for the party? Lee Anderson expresses the righteous indignation of the British people. Yeah, he does it in salty terms, and that's uh, that's the that's his style. But his indignation is well placed. The people are so coming you from agree. a safe they can country. Clear off back well, to yeah. France. Well, it, it, people are coming from a safe country. You know, France is a signatory to the European Convention on Human Rights, and uh, you know, the, people should claim asylum in the fir first country. It's, it's not like there shouldn't just be like a sort of open shopping list of where you want to go. So he expresses himself in his characteristically robust terms, but there is. A lot of sense, in uh, in my respectful view, uh, in what Lee said. A lot of sense in what Lee said, said Alex Chalk. Now, he also said this to Nick Ferrari. Because the British people, like, we're fair-minded people, but what we don't think is fair is to say that we should, people who arrive illegally should be profiting from that illegality and four-star accommodation. That's why we're looking at uh, disused military bases. That's why we're looking at the Bibby Stockholm. So we will provide accommodation. Yeah, it's not going to be the Ritz. It's going to be pretty austere. It's going to be pretty functional. But that's not unreasonable. So uh, this guy, Alex Chalk, the Justice Secretary, right? So he said, look, um, we're, we're moving people onto barges and we'll probably use military barracks because we can't be using four-star accommodation for these asylum seekers. The British people are rightly cheesed off 
because they, they believe that these people are being given four-star hotels. Now, this particularly annoyed the colleague of Nick Ferrari, a guy called James O'Brien. Have a listen to this. We don't like him, but this is important. The idea that, you, that, that an asylum seeker has moved into one of these hotels and can avail themselves every day of the, of the room service menu and, and the, the facilities is not just silly, it's disgusting. It's a blatant lie. We've put a call in to the Justice Secretary asking for examples of hotels where asylum seekers receive the same level of four-star service that paying customers would have received before the hotel was repurposed. Um, we're waiting to hear back. They tried to pass us on to the Home Office at first, claiming that it was a claim that had been made by them, but I heard the Justice Secretary make that claim on LBC. When he spoke with Nick Ferrari. So James O'Brien... Uh, basically said that this is complete. This is a complete lie. It's a whitewash by the government to say that we need to move people onto barges because they can't be given a luxurious life in a four-star hotel. O'Brien, as you clearly heard there, he said, well, look, it's preposterous to think that the asylum seeker would be ordering from the menu you know, would be ordering from the room service menu and using the facilities and all of that. Now, remember, the Tories said that the British people are pissed off at the idea that these people are getting four-star hotel accommodation. So both, the, the, the thing to understand here, I believe, is that Alex Chalk and James O'Brien are working for the same agenda. You see, the British people are not stupid. You know, they're not stupid, really. Like, the, the idea that the British people are annoyed at the idea that the asylum seekers are in four-star hotels and having a luxurious life, well, that's absolute garbage. Boulder dash, really. Uh, because we know that those criticising the migrants going into hotels are not all saying, oh, they're living in the lap of luxury. Many of them are saying, you know what? We used to play bridge in that hotel. We used to use the pool. We used to have receptions there, birthday parties and all of that. Now it's, it's a really vital hub and it's gone. You see, that's what the media does. I said this to you yesterday, binary choice. There can only be two answers. Okay, refugees are welcome is one answer. And let's get the dirty refugees out of the country. That's the other answer. So James O'Brien would have you believe that anybody asking questions about the migrants is one of those nimbies or one of those awful people who do doesn't want any refugees in the country at all. It's black and white, no pun intended, according to James O'Brien. It's exactly the same with the Tories and the right-wing media. They want you to see things in terms of black and white and they want to paint people and, and, and put people into pigeonholes. There's no room for nuance. Like, most people I hear from are like, why are they putting these young men, you know, in these hotels? And now we've nowhere to go. And in many cases, this is true, we, we don't have this hub in the community where we used to go and have a drink. Or as I said, a game of bridge or use the pool or play pitch and putt or play golf or whatever it is. You know, O'Brien is the shittiest radio jock to ever open a fader and he knows this. I got into this yesterday. LBC is the home of those who have been pigeonholed uh, into thinking it's the socialist thing to do. Shut up, take the pain and say refugees are welcome. Talk TV and GB News is for anybody else. You know, those who think it's madness and those who want to completely shut it down. I think the media these days effectively acts as a pacifier. That's a dummy. That's a dummy for Irish and, and British people. That's what it does. It is a quarter past the hour. Now, this is interesting. The owner of a London restaurant 
claims that trans activists are trying to destroy him and his business because he hosted a lunch with the Olympians Sharon Davis and Daley Thompson. Remember Daley Thompson in America in 1984? God, he was a beast of a man, wasn't he, when he won the Decathlon. He beat a, a German bloke into the silver medal. He was great, Daley Thompson. And of course, Sharon Davis, fantastic swimmer, right? Won it all. And they're... Um, they're involved with a group called Fair Play for Women, which aims to protect the rights of women and girls in the UK. So this guy b- agrees with them, this restaurateur, James Chiverini is his name, right? And he runs Il Portico in Kensington. I bet you that's expensive. I bet you we're not going to Il Portico in Kensington anytime soon. You know, your entree, your main course. What's your main course going to be there? It's going to be 30 quid, isn't it? Minimum 35 quid. Anyway, he runs Il Portico in Kensington. I'd say it's lovely. And he says that since he hosted Sharon Davis and Daley Thompson, he's been hit with a an absolute slew, an avalanche of one-star reviews, with one trans activist even telling him to go and kill himself after he posted a picture of himself with the former Olympians. James Chiverini told everything to Times Radio Today, cancel culture, alive and well. I'm very happy to be an ally to these causes because it's a cause that I believe in. I've got my two daughters who, uh, you know, I both push to, for girls' sports. And, um, and you know, I want to I want to protect their, their category and their right. And that's not to say that we're excluding anybody. Mm. If you want to have an open category, then by all means, everybody can compete in an open category. But I do believe in biological differences between men and women. On their head, be it. I mean, if that's how they want to play, then then that's entirely up to them. I mean, this is a problem with Google, is that anybody can go on there and anybody can write whatever they want. And if I don't catch it in time, then Google will just leave it there. I mean, Google, I've now taken down the one the, the one telling me to kill myself because I think that's a fragrant abuse of their regulations. Mm. But if somebody just goes on there and just leaves one star review with no comment and they've never been to the restaurant in my life and, and you can see from their profile that they're based in Tallahassee, Florida, then <laughs> it's based there. I mean, you, so have those I mean? been taken off? Not the one star reviews. The one telling me to kill myself has been, yeah, I right. reported that one immediately. But then what happens is because it's a coordinated strategic attack, is as soon as they see as soon as they get the notification that their one has been taken down, then they just start posting one star reviews with yeah. no comment on there. One star reviews with no comment, all because he hosted a couple of Olympians who um celebrated the Fair Play for Women campaign group. So he has to be cancelled. I get asked quite often, do they try to cancel you, Richie? These days they don't. They used to try, I don't mean trans activists, but other people um, like the Northwest Friends of Israel and people like that. But when they figured out that I'm pretty much self-sufficient and I'm not really working for anybody, they kind of backed off. It's like, well, we can't really do anything about the guy. He's just going to go on air every day and do his radio show and there's nothing we can do about it. So no, I don't get an awful... A policeman did reach out to me recently. By recently, I mean a few weeks ago to say there had been some complaints made to Greater Manchester Police about me taking the mickey out of um, the trans people. Um, this is a, a, a PC, a policeman who obviously remains anonymous, but, but who listens to the programme. And he said, because I cover these issues, he keeps an ear out for any mentions. And he said there was some complaint, but they decided not to take it any further. I don't know what they could have complained about because I'm pretty fair... When I talk about these things, you know, I absolutely believe in the right of um, people to live as, as they are most comfortable and that a man should be entitled to live as a woman 
to all intents and purposes, if that is how it makes, if it makes him feel better, if it enriches his life somehow, and he should be able to do that without abuse from anybody or without prejudice. But I draw the line then when the guy says, well, I really am a woman and therefore I should be considered for roles or positions that were previously reserved exclusively for women. That's when I step in and say, I don't agree with that. So I don't know what they'd whinge about me for, because I'm lovely, me. I'm not really, am I? Hey, NatWest, we talked about NatWest, didn't we? Um, How it wants to impose new limits on cash deposits. And it will begin limiting uh, cash deposits next month. You know the date they chose, dear listener, for this? You know, they chose the 11th of September. That's a red-letter day in history, isn't it, for more reasons than one. Chilean coup, anyone? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the, obviously the uh, attacks on the World Trade Centers, September the 11th. Of course, it could be coincidental. I'm prepared to accept that, of course, anyway. So NatWest has written to customers about the changes will, will take effect from September the 11th, saying protecting you from financial crime and fraud is important to us. Now, they summarise the changes saying we will make it clearer that the bank can set limits on payments to and from the customer's accounts. Now, they say this is to do with the risk of financial crime and money laundering. That's what they say. But uh, Ron Del Nevo, who's, or, or Del Nevo, probably the chairman of the Payment Choice Alliance, told GB News he thought the deposit limits were, in fact, ludicrously low. And he said many small businesses operating as sole traders have cash takings well above the level NatWest is imposing. After all, you don't have to register a business for VAT until your sales reach £85,000 in a year. These daft limits, says Rob Del Nevo, chairman of the Payment Choice Alliance, he said these daft limits are being set wait for it to try to force small businesses to stop accepting cash. I think he might have a point. Now, Conservative Party MP Anne-Marie Morris told Talk TV today she's not remotely impressed by this at all. I'm horrified. That is not the right approach. It is, as you rightly say, it is it's customers' money. Mm. And the argument which is put, which is this is all about money laundering and making sure that uh, money laundering is, is, is moderated, frankly, we've got plenty of protection um, to achieve that. And at the end of the day, there has to be a balance. And I do not think that it is right that a bank should unilaterally, as I understand NatWest wish to do, decide how much you can put in and how much you can take out. Mm. It's, it's not acceptable. If it's your money, you need to be able to determine um, how you access it, when you access it. If you want to make a purchase and you find it easier to budget using cash, you need to be able to get money out and you need to be able to spend it. Somebody who runs a small business, somebody who's running a fete or some sort of community event mm. and they want to bank the cash, they need to be able to do that. Real life dictates that banks must serve their customers. They can't just serve themselves. Yeah, serve the customers, don't serve yourselves. I think the guy from the um, Payment Choice Alliance is right. I think it's about forcing small businesses to uh, stop accepting cash to pave the way for central bank digital currencies. But that's my opinion. Okay, Dave says, tell them to go and shite, Richie. This is about the um, people complaining. No, no, I don't get it, really. And, and I don't. And 
I, if I did, I probably wouldn't be coming on air talking about it. You know, I don't like the truthers and their persecution complexes. Don't like that nonsense. But um, considering the, what, the, you know, the reach of this program, um, these days, no, they don't because they can't stop us going on air. It's completely self-contained here. And what, what can they do? And my streaming provider, are, they're wonderful people who completely back free speech and open dialogue. So they couldn't compel my streaming provider, which was something I used to worry about. I used to worry that some of these snowflakes, these cancel culture warriors, that they might eventually be able to persuade streaming companies not to stream me, meaning I wouldn't be able to go live. It wouldn't stop me doing the programme. I'd still be able to record it, but I wouldn't be able to go live and do it live, which is the thing I enjoy about it more than anything. I like the fact that I'm having a chat with you now and immediately into my screen comes a message from James. How are you, James? See, that's what I love. I love live. Live is where I live. Who said that before you two, I think, said that years ago? Uh, James says, Richie, I know you're a dog lover in particular, but we shouldn't be experimenting on any animals. It's disgusting and there is no need for it. Now, James, I agree with you, but some of my listeners are vegans and they would call me a hypocrite. And I will put my hands up and take those arrows and slings and say, all right, okay. But again, nothing is black and white. Yes, I do eat meat uh, as part of my diet. Not every single day. I like fish. Again, some vegans would say, well, fish is meat too. It isn't, but they would say that. It's still, a, it's still an animal. It's still a sentient creature. And you've just taken it from some supermarket and so I get all of that right but um, I, I find it abhorrent that we would experiment on animals but the other side is that I don't agree with it and they won't come on to argue but there are there is a group of people maybe a large group of people and they say well we've made some very significant breakthroughs in medical research over the years and we might not have been able to come so far so fast without some sort of experimentation on animals I'm not agreeing with that don't scream at me. I'm saying this is the argument they'll make. I will put this point to my guest in a moment. Thank you, James. Um, uh, Len was on to say, Lee Anderson famously shouted verbally abuse at Jeremy Corbyn, falsely calling him an anti-Semite and asking him to resign. Thank you, Len. Yeah, a number of you were momentarily surprised by my switch to mono. It's a mad control panel here. And what I did was I went into settings to, to give myself a tiny little bit more volume. And in the meantime, I knocked myself into mono. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but luckily enough, I, I know enough. I, I know just enough to get by. But uh, thank God for Paul Ripley. Ian says, O'Brien is as much James O'Brien an outrage grifter as anybody on the right. His demographic happens to be the left. Thank you, Ian. John says, Richie, you are obsessed with O'Brien. It's annoying having to listen to him and you ranting about him. Thanks for your comment, John. You don't have to listen to me. That's the beauty of it. You're not compelled to listen, John. Thank you for your comment in any case. Billy says, GB News covers the migrant issue almost 24-7. It's almost the only news story they cover. That's not true, Billy. I flick around during the day. It covers a lot of issues. Yes, migrant, migrant coverage... It's, it's prominent. I'll give you that, right? He asks, are they stoking up hatred towards migrants and maybe inciting violence against them? Now, that's an interesting point, Billy. That's an interesting point. Maybe. You might have something there, maybe. 
Um, Silverness says, Richie, I work for the post office. Many banks have already started putting limits on, limits on cash deposits. I had to turn away two customers last week who were trying to put money into their own account. That's from Silverness. Thank you very much. And Gaz says, Richie, come to Peterborough if you want to see where the UK government dumps immigrants. Nobody here speaks English. Come on, Gaz. I'm sure some people speak English in Peterborough, but I get your point. He says, at the moment, it's Africans pouring in. No chance of anyone local ever getting a house. Isabel says, there used to be coin coin machines in the supermarket where you could deposit your coins. Remember those? There was one in my local Sainsbury five or six years ago. These would get counted and the machine would exchange these for notes. I wonder if those machines are still in supermarkets. Thank you, Isabel. Kev says, well, Richie, they did test the vax on animals and they all died, allegedly. And Cookie says, um, the, the monkeys used by Elon Musk for his brain chip is horror. The poor creatures. Good husbandry is the way forward. That's Cookie. Thank you, Cookie. Fantastic. As for the restaurateur who was given a lot of fake one-star reviews because he dared to um, host Daily Thompson and Sharon Davis because he believes that biological sex matters. Jenny says it's his restaurant. He can host who he likes. That's right. Indeed he can. And Steve said Daley Thompson's main rival was Jürgen Hinkson. It was indeed. I remember he had a lovely tash on him, didn't he? As a German from the former West Germany, of course. Uh, Faisal says, evening. It's funny how they never seem to mention how much this barge is costing. Indeed. And thank you to Pandora for a massive, massive uh, post about Madonna. Thank you very much. Um, I, I'm not saying I'll, I'll read it later on. I might do. It's long. Good evening to Diane and to Tim in Brazil. Lovely. Now, I will take a tune. When we return, I will be joined by a man called John Curtins. He's really interesting. He is part of a group of people known as Camp Beagle. They protest year-round outside the gates of Marshall Bioresources. A colleague of John's, a lady called Helen Taylor, reached out to say, Richie, this is an, an issue you should be covering. I have to say, hands up, I wasn't really aware of it. Even though the Daily Mirror did a two, uh, did, in fact, did two double, sounded like Julia Hartley Brewer there, uh, two double page spreads on this. But I missed it. You know, I do read the tabloids and the broadsheets, but I didn't see this at all. Apparently a lot of celebrities are speaking out too. I would imagine Brian May, uh, the legendary Queen guitar player, he's very interested in these issues, isn't he? It's nearly half five. Here's Lou Reed then. And back with my first guest, Tuesday's Richie Allen Show. Welcome. Lou Reed and hanging round from Transformer. Right, it's coming up for 29 minutes to the top of the air. So I just told you then about Helen and the 24-hour-a-day, 365-day protest outside the gates of Marshall Bioresources. Helen got in touch and said there, there, there are a number, there have been a number of uh, um, disturbing covert films, right, to um, speaking to what's going on at Marshall Bio Resources, uh, that beagles, beautiful dogs, are being subjected to the most wretched conditions 
and uh, are being tortured there in the name of science, in the name of medical uh, research. Now, the company has said that it's better we do it here, that the dogs are bred in the UK, it's better than them being imported into the country. But Helen said to me that the group believes that, in fact, dogs are being flown into the UK to be experimented on at this facility in Cambridge. Now, I'm delighted to be joined on the programme by the uh, spokesman for Camp Beagle, a man called John Curtins. John, you're very welcome to the programme. How are you? Um, good, thank you. I, 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 was, I, I think I got your voicemail and in the meantime you rang me. So if you want me to ring you back, I can do that. Do you want me to do that? Please, yeah. Yeah, I'll give you a quick call back, John, to save you the dosh, because I, I would imagine a group like John's, I would imagine that um, the dosh, um, uh, the money um, side of things is very important. So let's give him a quick ring back and find out what's going on down there in Cambridge. Tuesday's Richie Allen Show. Any comment on this, please send a message via the app. Send a message via richieallen.co.uk. John, thank you for coming on. How are you? No problem. I'm, I'm good, thank you. Now tell me, the, the, I, I read the tabloids, I read the broadsheets, and I know that this has been given some coverage by the Mirror, but I didn't see it. What, give our listeners a, a kind of, um, give, give them a summary of why Camp Beagle is there protesting uh, all year round and what you believe is going on at Marshall Bioresources. I mean, first of all, you said you haven't you've read something about it in the papers. You'll hardly have it, ever, ever hear a story about animal experiments in the mainstream media. Yeah, we've captivated the, the, the public mood by we've been on the side of this road outside the gates for two years. A friend died on Tony Blair promised to have an investigation into vivisection way back in the 90s. There's been a hundred years of demonstrating in this country about animal experiments. There must be something that drives us. And what drives us is the injustice and the anger because it's surrounded in secrecy. And apart from it being horribly cruel, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. In the 40, in, when the petrochemical industry and the agrochemical giants started off in America in the 1930s and 40s and 50s, they could stick a spokesman on the television with a, a suit and a tie on saying, it's okay, everyone, you can, te- you can use these new pesticides, insecticides, all the food additives, because we've, we've tested them, we've safely tested them. Yeah, and we find out now they've tested them on mice and beagles. It doesn't work. It's part of the industry. We're trying to tackle it. If it's science, you'd think that they'd be all up for a discussion, but no, all we get is secrecy. Now this company, this company we've we've referenced already, Marshall Bio um, Resources. It breeds dogs to then um, provide dogs to laboratories where medical testing is happening. Is that right? Uh-huh. Yeah, they call it medical testing. Uh, that's their like euphemism. What it is again, seventy, eighty years ago. Look, it's fairer to call it the chemical industry because you've got to involve the pharmaceutical industry in that. Basically, they want to sell products. And the, 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 way they've allowed, the, the way they've learned to do it is to tell everyone that they've tested it. And those tests are on a rodent and a non-rodent. So when they say that they do medical experiments, they do, but it's toxicology. They will give an enormous amount. They will test the pharmaceuticals the same, same way they would test an insecticide, by giving a mouse an enormous amount of that product and seeing how much it takes to kill it. It's absolutely... And it, if... It, 
I bet you haven't got anyone in your programme to defend it, because that's what happens. Yeah, I sent an no email. No one is there to defend it. You t- yeah, ah. af- after speaking with you this morning, I sent an email to the company um, to obviously let them know we were going to be discussing this and to invite somebody to come on and to go yeah. up against you. I didn't receive any reply by five o'clock. Of course not. In the dock, I mean, another Irishman, George Bernard Shaw, said nearly 100 years ago, anyone that wouldn't hesitate to vivisect would hardly hesitate to lie about it. I asked the UK licence holder about importing dogs into this country. She said, yes, yes, we do, a small amount, a small amount. We've now discovered that small amount is just in the first six months of this uh, this, this year alone, 399 dogs, just in 399, just in, just in the first six months alone. How mad is this? How mad? This place where I'm outside now was set up uh, about 60 years ago by the same two people that set up a place called Huntingdon Research Centre. It used to be notorious. Uh, it's gone out of the headlines again. That place is three miles down the road. This place is a factory where they breed beagles, up to 2,000. Yet, they import them to that same laboratory. So it's a matter of, like, hunting them, bringing up this place, MBRA, because we want some... Uh, we want another batch, because they order, 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 always order them in batches of 12. We want 18, 36 beagles. Uh, and they, they probably replied to the... Uh, hunting them. Oh, we. I don't know if we can make that for that date, but I'll tell you what, we'll have a word with the New York branch. And they fly them in from New York. And you think it's just, that's all very expensive. But then you have to think of your Pfizer's and your Monsanto's and your Glaxo's. You're not talking multi-million, multi-billion. You're talking like multi-trillion Can I just jump in there? Because in case listeners are wondering why I haven't challenged John on his claim that they're flying dogs in. They are. Nada Farhoud wrote about this in the Daily Mirror on the 3rd of May this year. Uh, they are flown in. They're flown in from the US. They're flown in from Denmark uh, as well. Yeah. That's right. So, so you're right to say that. Now, we've added to that story in controversial evidence. We've got the details of every flight. We've got the destination of where they're going to. And they all go to the same suspect. In this country, they go to Charles River to Sequani, to uh, Hunt, uh, LabCorp, and people, those are all toxicology laboratories. We've got a petition at the moment where people, please go to our Camp Beagle site, sign that petition. We're up to 55,000 now. When we, we had the debate in Parliament with our last petition, and we know that this Tory administration is going to 100% reject it, but the debate was amazing, you know? It was like the MPs were standing up, and they, they were like saying, come on. You're like, the technology has moved on. Like, the, the, my mobile phone that I'm talking on has got more mobile capacity, more computer capacity than the NASA space missions used to have in the 70s, for God's sake. Hang on a second, John. Hang on. Hang, in, hang, it'd be hang, in the size of a warehouse. Now I can fit it on the phone. Yeah. yeah we're still doing the same test that the let, chemical industry came up with 70 years ago. Let, let me jump in, let me jump in. So I wasn't aware of the parliamentary debate. So you're saying that the the prevailing argument was most of the MPs who turned up to the debate were were against te- testing on All. animals. Where are they now? Labour and Tory alike. You won't... Show me an MP that's going to stand up and def- he'll be... You know, well, they, they don't mind... Like It's like standing up for HS2 
No one's going to do it apart from the government spokesman. This is one of those issues. Well, let me ask it's you then. Let me let me ask you a fo- let me ask you a follow up question. So I would expect then, if during a debate you heard from a lot of MPs who said this is abhorrent, this is terrible, it's awful, why hasn't a party put forward a bill then to ban this completely? Ban it in the UK? You tell me. There's vested interests at work here. You know. Uh, the public mood wants to... Well, I've been doing this for 40 years. This place here, it's like I'm back again. 30 years ago, I went to prison for 18 months for breaking into this place and then liberating 82 dogs. 18 dogs. dogs. Oh, you, it was nearly 100 dogs, was it? 82 dogs. 82 yeah. dogs. I told the judge this time, though, because they've spent £4 million to try and get rid of us. I told the judge this time, we haven't come to break the law this time. We've come to change the law. The, the time is ready. People used to come up to me 30, 40 years ago. Yeah, but we need those experiments on the beagles because my granny had cancer. What about protecting the children from leukemia? We ain't so stupid anymore. We ain't believing it. And especially when no one is there to defend these animal experiments. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this then. If you're right and this is unnecessary, why would companies yeah. continue to do it if it was unnecessary uh, and they could do another, go, go another question. way? There's that song, this is how we do it. Why rock the boat? Why rock the boat? For some of you have been doing for 70 years, it's okay, everyone, we tested it. The, 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 the actual, uh, the figures are astounding. 92% of drugs that go on to human clinical trials will fail because the, the, the animal results gave them the, the, wrong, the wrong results. Cho- your chocolate, everyone knows not to give chocolate to your dog. That would fail the toxicology test. Would you take your your child to a mouse specialist? Come on, this is like Mon- it's that bad. It's like Monty Python craziness. Yet they call it science. Why do they need all these security guards, these cameras? Why is it governed by the Home Office? The Home Office deals with the police, with the courts, the courts, security, terrorism. They don't normally they don't normally charge of beagles. That's why when. Do you know what happens at the weekend of this place? They have a weekend rotor. There's 2,000 dogs in there. They send five staff in there to run around, mop the floor quickly. They leave at 11 a.m. They don't come back till 7 a.m. Yeah, you're meant, to, you're meant to complain to the Home Office. The Home Office haven't got any animal specialists or dog specialists. It's, uh, it's, it's oh, God, John, talk about me, frustrating. That's let, why we're here. I'm camped outside of the road, for God's sake. Let me do a quick summary. I've been here for two years, and we're not going until this company shuts down. So there must be something behind this. I'll come you know, back. I'll come back to that in a moment. Now, you being there, and I want to talk about you yeah. uh, going to prison as well. I just want to do a very quick summary. John Curtins is our guest this hour. John is uh, a spokesman for Camp Beagle. As he said, there is a round-the-clock protest outside the gates of Marshall Bioresources in Cambridge. John has been there for two years in a tent. They breed. Uh, beagles. No, I've gone up market. I've got a camper van. You've got a camper van now. I've gone up market. They breed beagles and they provide these dogs to the biggest pharmaceutical companies in the world to test their products on these animals. Um, John and his colleagues believe that this is absolutely well. I suppose you would say it's it's almost tantamount to uh, to, to satanic, really, um, and that it shouldn't be going on in the UK well, in this day and age. There's no need for it anymore in this day and age. Too much emotion. It's more like the banality. It's this machine, this bureaucratic machine that's been built up. The mm. vans have been coming to pick up the dogs from this place for, like I said, sixty years. 
and taking them to the same toxicology. You, you keep talking about pharmaceuticals. It's agrochemicals. Yeah, Monsanto, biotech. It's all the, yeah. it's the chemical industry, really, yeah. rather than the pharmaceutical industry. But include the pharmaceutical. But there's no professors. It's not like some professor doing some experiment with the heart valve or anything like that. No, this is toxic. These dogs are chosen for toxicity. Do you know another sick reason why they're chosen? The reason they do these experiments now on, on the dogs is because they say, this is how we do it. We've always done it this way. But why they picked the dog originally? Because the beagle dog won't bite their hand off. You know, imagine trying to put anyone out there listening. You know, imagine your pet dog. Imagine someone trying to, literally, they call it a gavage, put a tube down their throat and administer some chemicals or administer nine injections a day. No dog would take that. But the poor beagle, anyone who knows a beagle, they'll, they'll, they've got like a soft mouth and they'll just shiver and appeal to the human beings better sentiment wet themselves cower they're not biters that's why they were chosen how horrible is that it's um it's horrible yeah i can't find i can't find the words i've got two dogs here um at home and uh i can't get my head around it really I, I look, if it's I, a dog or your baby, and you have, it's that, that's yeah. the old black male they used to use back in the 50s. And listen, everyone, we have to do these safety tests. And unfortunately, we had to pick the mouse and the beagle. But when it's a choice between a dog and a baby, the baby, you know, you're going to save the baby. But this is a ridiculous test. Unfortunately, it's a dog and your baby. Why does no one shut us up? Why aren't, no, what, apart from spending £4 million to try and get rid of us, there is no argument to defend these experiments. By four, so, by four million pounds. It's science. It's quite extraordinary. By four million pounds, they've obviously taken out a number of injunctions and court cases and stuff against you and your group. And, and just, just go back to something you said earlier on. You managed to liberate nearly 100 of these dogs. Where, where did they yeah. end up, John, those dogs? Where did they end up? Yeah. Ah, boom. They just disappeared in the underground network. Fantastic. Uh, uh, that that's for me to know. Basically, for oh no, I'm not asking you for a name. I'm not asking before we did the for raid, addresses. We before we did the raid, this is the day before mobile phones. But when we'd have a big demonstration, say the World Day for Laboratory Animals, where there'd be ten thousand people, we'd be telling people on that day, and we did it actually. Uh, uh, check this out. We did it on um, St. Patrick's Night, so people would remember it. St. Patrick's Night, we're doing it, so we'll come to you on the 18th. So we had it planned out way before. It takes months to plan a raid like that. It's like doing a, a jewellery ro- robbery, but harder, because the jewellery doesn't bark and wiggle and move. That's an amazing thing. And you got sentenced to 18 months in prison for this? Yeah, the judge said I was... He actually... I remember looking at him as he was sentenced. He said I was worse than a common criminal. I don't quite know what he meant by that, but... Because I'd consciously bro- I'd gone out of my way to break the law. To break the law. You must have been but to hit- me. I didn't break the law. How can compassion to me? There's rescuing a life, and that was my that was my defence. Um, uh, it's not a crime to be compassionate. You we mo- break people's yeah. hearts here every day. You want to see the feedback we get? People are broken hearted about this. How do you do it? Knowing what's how going on, yeah. How do you do it? How do you go there? How do you stay there, knowing ah, it's going, I, it's going to happen? Broken, it's going to keep to happening. How do I stay there? I think it's some of my Irish blood. I was talking to you before my mum and dad are from County Kerry. 
Yeah. But we get love, we get support, but I tell you, it's hard, hard, hard to stay here. But it's determination too. I've been doing this a long time. And, you know, I'm like, we're like a little camp eagle. We're like a, we're the neighbours from hell for MBR. But we've moved in. We're like the curtain twitches from hell. We watch their every move like we've been studying their import and the dogs. And it's just a burning sense of injustice. That's what keeps us going. I'm going to be breaking ice in the January morning. So there must be something keeping us going. And what keeps us going is um, it's just compassion, love, kindness, and a massive burning sense of injustice. Hel- Helen was telling me in her email that your campaign has attracted some celebrity interest. Is that right? Because that helps. Yeah, loads. Uh, Chris Packham, his daughter Megan McCoppin, uh Olivia Bowen from Love Island, Gemma Collins, uh, Heidi Mumford, Meg Matthews. Oh, I'm going to lose. I'm going to uh, get in trouble when I leave them out. And um, I'm sorry for the ones I left out. Uh, yeah, yeah, loads. Of, we, we just we just pick up support as we go along. People, I tell you what, people with the first initial response, most people do is like, "You what? I thought they'd banned that. Wasn't that nice. back in the seventies? That stuff." Well, how come I can? Well, in fact, I can't. I was going to say, how come I can hear the dogs now? How come, right? Well, you shouldn't be able to hear me talking in a minute because I'm next to Britain's biggest puppy factory. I'm next to it. But it's all in soundproof buildings. You can't hear a thing. The only time you can ever hear anything is if you go right next to the shed. And then it becomes, you can sort of detect the cacophony that escapes out of the air vent. Soundproof buildings. It was, they, this was never meant to be spoken about. And that's ridiculous, isn't it? If it's science, I remember being at school and the thing about science is you're meant to discuss things. But no, no, no. Not this. This wants to be hidden. Do you but, know, Do you know, John, that if you go online... And look for the, 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 that's what was one of the protesters' dogs, is it? I know, I can't, got some... Yeah, if you go online and if you look for, as I did today to try and make an argument out of this, to try and put the other side to you, if you go online and look for the case for testing on dogs, you can't find it. Um, Google's no. first two or three pages, nobody's making the argument that it's a good thing to no. test on dogs. I can't find an argument against this, to be honest, against you. And in fact, the opposite. We've got internal documents uh, from the government and the industry. They know that the writing's on the wall. They're getting ready to drop it. But when it comes to their timetable, they're talking 30 years. Huh? Let me read some comments. That's the kind of oil tanker pace they want to go at. There's no one here to defend it, yeah. Let me read some comments because comments have been flying to in. Defend it. Listen, let me read some comments. Um, to give me a minute to read some comments. Dean says it's totally evil. It should be stopped immediately. Another horrific example of how we are ruled by psychopaths with no humanity. That's Dean. Scott's been on to say, so if you pass a house and you hear a dog being abused and you break in and rescue the dog, nothing more, nothing less. What happens then, says Scott? That's a very good question. Christopher says, um, pretty much similar... I imagine the Beagle often used in experiments being the only dog. Yeah, he basically says what you said. Thanks for that, Christopher. Will B has been on. He signed your petition. Thanks for that. Chris says, give me a machine gun. I'll storm the place. 
I can't read the rest of that because that might be incitement. Uh, thanks very much for that. Uh, Cookie has been on to say she's in Liverpool. The doctors in their white coats are doing this cruelty to animals. Why would you trust them with your own health? These are cruel people, full stop. I, I can't get my head around how anybody could work in a laboratory and... Um, you know, expose a dog to weed killer or some other toxic substance. I don't understand how somebody could do that. I just, I can't get I mean, we just have to, because maybe we're all ashamed of how stupid we actually became. You know, the 20th century, we sort of seem to hand it over to the multinational businesses to take care of the forest and the trees and the sea and each other and the animals. And uh, it's like the original conspiracy idea, you know, that the, the, the the petrochemical industry, they needed to sell their product. I mean, way, way, way before Corona, you know, I didn't trust the drug companies way, way before that, you know. And, you know, medicines, we need medicines. We need useful medicines. No one's got, we need good science. But what they, when they talk about health, Glaxo and the likes of them, they're talking about healthy profits. And it's like, come on, John, you know, don't be so... You know, cynical. And I'm, I'm afraid I am very, 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 very cynical of these big corporations. And that thing, it's okay, everyone, we've tested it. And when you explore it, what, on mice and beagles? Come on. It's I, I, One of the things you said, I can't get my head around it. So they had a debate based on uh, the petitions. They all came, or many of them came and said, this is outrageous. They nobody sponsored a bill, and you say you should have seen it. The, ho- the yeah. home secretary, a woman called Sarah. I Dine. might, I might get to ask finish a question at some stage, John. John, let me finish the question before you jump on me. The point I'm making is so, so you're, you're talking about hypocrites then because they go to the chamber, the House of Commons, they say this is outrageous, but nothing happens, and you say this is because the parties take money from the petrochemical companies and the chemical companies. And that's basically where it ends. Any real interest in stopping this, right? Yeah, because, yeah. Uh, like, why, why? Wait, um, do you know that things come in cycles? Here we are at the sort of end of a decade of Tory rule and people are getting, you know, downhearted. You know, people are kind of looking forward. Everyone seems to kind of know that Labour are going to come forward. This is the position that Tony Blair was in. So what did he do? He put a leaflet through every door in the country. It was called New Labour, New Life. And he promised to have a full investigation, a royal commission, which we haven't had for 100 years in these animal experiments. They promised that. When they got into power, nothing. In fact, the opposite. There's a recorded meeting of Tony Blair meeting um, all the Glaxos and the Pfizer's in Oxford, and, and they just told him, you have to get rid of animal rights people, otherwise we're leaving the country. And they had a massive clampdown. I mentioned Barry Horn, who died on hunger strike. He got an 18-year prison sentence, for God's sake, for attacking property, for damaging property. That's how high the sentences had gone up by then. And then... We've lost John momentarily. Um, let me let, let me give him a quick call back. We're, we're, we're going to wrap this in any case. Um, we'll find out where where people can go to read more about this. It's dreadful stuff, this, isn't it? Um, Camp Beagle, which is um, in, in, in Cambridge, outside the Marshall Bioresources Facility, which is a puppy farm, which is um, providing dogs for experiments, usually uh, chemicals. John, we, well, lo- we lost... Um, we lo- oh, he's gone completely, I think. 
Um, we'll give him one more go and then we'll move on. Is Mercury in retrograde? Somebody might ask at this stage. Um, with communications issues. As the time is fast approaching, point away five minutes to the top of the hour. It's Tuesday's Richie Allen Show with me, Richie Allen. Uh, we have been speaking to John Curtin, the spokesperson for Camp Beagle. And I think the battery might have gone in that phone or the coverage is gone uh, completely. Yeah, we're going to have to move on. Okay, we'll move on. Going to take a tune when I come back. Your comments and we'll um, talk about something completely different then. Here's Lionel Richie. Yes. A lot of comments on that. Thank you for them. Leave a a comment via the app. There is an app for the programme or the website richieallen.co.uk. John, we've got you back. I'm glad we got you back. Um, I don't know what happened there, but we've only got uh, about... Technical, two... we are literally on the side of a road. Technical hitches. Technical hitches. So listen, listen, we've got about two minutes um, and, and, and yeah. that's all we've got. Um, so what I wanted to ask you was, what do you want our listeners to do about this? What can they do? Please, please go to our site, Camp Beagle. We've got Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, TikTok. Uh, click on the links, sign the petition. And even if you can't stand this Tory administration, just we're going to reject it. Our petition, what we want to do is get it up there as like the people demand it and the government go, uh, 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 there is no problem. So uh, that that's what we're kind of begging people to do at the minute. We've got four weeks left. It's going to be a bit of a miracle. We have to get 10,000 a week, but we can do it. So that's Camp Beagle. You're on Instagram. You're on social media. What I'll do is when I up when I yeah. upload this program later on, I will put a link on the podcast. Uh, I'll put all your links on there, and hopefully, um, we'll generate a little bit more interest there. Uh, but fifty six, fifty seven thousand is very if you good. Google Camp Beagle. Do you know, like in life, you get trolls and fakes and fraud. Don't go to campbeagle.co.uk. That's a fraudulent uh, troll site. So, so what is the website address then? Thecampbeagle.com. 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 All one word. Thecampbeagle.com. John, I have nothing but admiration for you and for your colleagues and what you do there. And I wish you all well, the very we best. We live in a world of clappy clappies, but we just want a bit of a heads up sometimes. You know, we're, we're doing this and it's just nice to get some love back because it is tough, I tell you. But um, thanks. Thanks for the love. And thanks for putting me on the programme because with people, mainstream media, which you ain't, but they won't touch us with a barge pole, you know, because there's two muddy lawsuits involved, perhaps, you know, but uh, we're calling them out. Like George Bernard Shaw said, let's finish with that. Anyone who wouldn't hesitate to vivisect uh, would hardly hesitate to lie about it. Thanks, John, and good luck. Lovely. There's the law after you again now. The law's just turned up (laughs) just just as we're uh, finishing the uh, conversation. TheCampBeagle.com Look, a number of you have gotten in touch to make a very salient point, right? Um, He already mentioned the corona, so he didn't trust the uh, the jabs by by the sound of it, right? So uh, a number of you have been in touch to say, Richie, you know, they were prepared to give jabs to children, jabs the children did not need, jabs which may very well harm children. Why would they care about experimenting on dogs? That's a very good point. And a number of you, a number of you have made that point, including Lorraine. Thank you, Lorraine. We're approaching a minute to six o'clock. It is Tuesday's Richie Allen Show. Let's take that tune. Let's take Lionel Richie. And when I come back, I'll read your comments and then I will introduce you to our next guest. Yeah. It's all very busy on the show today. Very busy. Lots of comments, by the way. Thanks for them. 
Lionel Richie and All Night Long on the Richie Allen Show. Two and a half minutes past the hour. Michael was in touch to say they should do the testing on paedophiles and child murderers. Um, no, Michael. Let's lock paedophiles and child killers away for a very, very long time. And uh, But let's not torture them. We've got to be better than that, surely. Uh, Michael, but thank you for your message. Lots of comments on this. Annalisa makes the comment, and she's right to make this, because he used to write about this in the uh, national press. Dr Vernon Coleman has written much about the case against animal experimentation. You're absolutely right, Annalisa. Thank you uh, for that. It's worth mentioning. Uh, TheCampBeagle.com More power to John, says Diane. And a lot of people... Uh, have said they're totally disgusted by this. It's abhorrent. I suppose there's no point in me reading out every single one of those. I don't think anybody agrees with it. It is dreadful, isn't it? It's dreadful. Makes me sick, says Dino. Yes, it makes me sick too. Very, very interesting. I mean, it's horrifying really, isn't it? But as I, as I said earlier on, I think it's incumbent upon me to say that vegans in particular would say at this point... You're a hypocrite because you are happy to have an animal slaughtered to uh, to feed you. And that's very blunt, isn't it? That I mean, uh, it doesn't get any more blunt. Happy is a stretch. Not happy that animals are killed, but I suppose we were brought up eating meat and two veg. And again, there are those who would say, well, you might have been brought up, but you're a free-thinking, you know, critical-thinking adult. Maybe you shouldn't be eating meat. So it opens it all up really, doesn't it? But um, I don't know. I think I can say that I find that abhorrent and I would like to see it banned and um, that that can happily live alongside my eating the occasional meat dish. I say occasional because it's maybe once or twice a week that I will have meat. Most of the time it's, um, it's fish really, you know. But anyway, look, let's um, get our next guest on uh, the line. I'm sure you're going to be interested in this, so I'm going to say again, do send your comments in, and if you do have a smart device, why not download the app for this programme? There is an app, and you can find it pretty easily. If you are a Android user, go to Google Play. If you've got an Apple phone or an iPhone, uh, go to the App Store, look for The Richie Allen Show or Richie Allen. There is no T in Richie. This is a mistake that people are making all the time. I don't know why that is. It's an English thing. We've discussed it before many times. There is no tea in Richie, I tell you. Right then, so we had a very interesting phone-in on Thursday, didn't we? And Yvonne rang in. That's Yvonne who's in Spain, but originally from the Netherlands. And she opened up the discussion to talk about the ether and free energy. She started off by talking about, um, and it is mind-blowing, really, how you can, you know, type something into a computer and get an instant result, instantly, in a nanosecond. A result comes up, and she talked about that. She talked about how the establishment or the, whatever name we give them, the elite, the, the powers that be, that they might have access to hidden technologies technologies we're not aware of. She talked about free energy. We talked about sound healing. So Bex reached out to me via the website and said, Richie, I'm very interested in this. I've 
researched it and have uh, found extensive information on it. Bex um, has a YouTube channel she shares with her friend Tash. It's uh, called The Tash and Bex Flex. And it's very interesting. I've been looking uh, at it today, <coughs> looking at some of the videos on there today. The Tash and Bex Flex. And indeed, they do uh, get deeply into these issues. So let's welcome to the programme Bex Clifton. How are you doing, Bex? Are you well? Hi, Richie. Yeah, I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me on. Nice to meet you. I like it. I like when my job is made infinitely more easy. When researchers reach out to me rather than I go scaring the internet for researchers. So uh, you're very welcome. Uh, congratulations on the channel. It's quite popular, which is always Thank good. Natasha and Bex Flex. So you know, I'm just going to pop a couple of questions at you and then we'll just have a nice mm-hmm. open dis- d- d- discussion, or I should say a more general discussion. I've been hearing about free energy my entire, I don't know, career in the so-called alternative media. What is yeah. How would you describe free energy to somebody? What is free energy? Well, um, as Yvonne pointed out last week, you know, we've got this sort of incredible technology, haven't we? And it's kind of all supposedly coming out of these towers and whatnot. But actually, our research that we've done, me and Tash, um, has led us to uh, looking at electromagnetism. Um, and the information that's held in the electromagnetic soup that we live in. Um, so if you think about our environment as actually an electromagnetic soup, and as you're going up higher and higher and higher, it's just getting denser and denser and denser with that energy. Um, so the ether, which is you know several miles above us, is just highly charged with this electromagnetic energy. Um, and we started looking at it through Tartaria, which Tash looked at ages ago. I think it's podcast uh, eight and nine. You know, it's really early on. Um, and she was looking at the race of Tartaria. This, this, if they existed or not, we don't know. But and looking at this amazing architecture, which is, isn't just in this country, it's all over the world. And it's absolutely stunning, isn't it? When you look at the architecture, the design, the patterning in in the buildings. So from looking at these sort of Tartarian um, buildings, she'd researched into how uh, it was the buildings were drawing down from the ether, the electromagnetic energy through the use of these um, of these patterns in the building, causing a resonance oscillation, basically. Um, so that's a sort of overview of how we started to get interested in this. But other research we've done, which I was doing sort of more about the electromagnetic fields and light and stuff like that, kind of led back to the same place, interestingly enough. And I love it when that happens with research because, you, re- you know, when you keep being brought back to the same thing, to me, that becomes a sort of universal principle that runs through various things that we're looking at. It gives you a good clue. Can I just jump in there because you said something fascinating. Now, back mm. in back in December of 2018, um, mm. an old pal of mine, Max Egan, came on this programme uh, mm. to talk about the region of Tartary, um, mm. which which you just mentioned, Tartaria, right? So we're, mm. we're, we're talking about a... Um, an intelligent civilization or an intelligent, uh, yeah, a, a, an above average 
you're going to do a better job of explaining this than I did. But <laughs> I, I, I remember Max telling me about this. It's, um, it's believed by some researchers that um, intelligence agencies have for many years been, they've worked, including Russian and US intelligence agencies, have worked mm. to keep it secret that there was a mm-hmm. region known as Tartary where people were very mm. advanced. And I think that's what mm. you were talking about, right? Yeah, so that was originally what Tash was looking at, probably yeah. maybe a year and a half ago. Yes, that. And it, 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 it's a huge region. I mean, these buildings are all over Europe and England, and you, you just find them everywhere. I mean, it's just quite incredible. Um, and yes, they were seen to be um, a very, you know, a well-developed race, sort of above where we are. I mean, we're supposed to be at the peak of, of civilization, but we questioned that when we looked at Tartaria, just because of the beauty. It was breath, it's breathtaking, intricate architecture, you know. But they were supposed to be a race of people that were taller than us. Perhaps we we speculated that perhaps oxygen levels were higher and people were just bigger who knows but all these buildings have huge doors huge windows look like they were built for people that were sort of 10 foot tall or whatever um and yes when we looked at uh, when tasha looked at the, the architecture it was a definitely a patterning of sacred geometry um causing resonance through the shape and then conducting. I mean, what we call lightning rods. You see lightning rods, don't you, on churches yeah. and cathedrals? But um, actually, you know, there probably was a lot of that sort of, you know, metal structures that went up into the sky to put, you know, to harvest what was up there. And they've just left one or two up and say, oh, that's, that's you know, that's your lightning rod. But actually, you know, if you're drawing it down, and then it's going through a building that just is oscillating and resonating with, with the, you know, because of the patterning. And it's all complete symmetry as well. And even thinking if we were to try and construct one of those buildings today with the technology we have now, it would be very, very difficult. You know, so you think, how the hell? Anyway, so these people, apparently, they didn't eat like us. They, you know, they didn't, they didn't need to eat as much because they had this very high oxygen. I mean, this is all just a theory, you know, but it's very interesting. Um, and if any of your listeners or you have ever sort of come across talking about reset, have we been reset before, you know, were we at a higher level of civilization and we've been sort of reset and dumbed down again? And that's why they desperately try to cover up that there ever was this sort of, you know, this race that, that lived a very different life to the life that we live now, where we're effectively enslaved, aren't we? Yes, um, absolutely. And that was an excellent explanation, by the way, of free energy and the concept of it. And Well, it, I've seen footage of a couple of kids walking up. I don't, I don't know which mountain it was, but a little boy takes his hat off and his hair's standing up. You know how you did static on a balloon when you were a kid? Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, and... So if you climb high enough, that will happen to you because you're moving into those realms where there's a lot more electromagnetism in the air. It's just nature. It's just a fact. There's nothing weird or wonderful about it. And when you go into electromagnetism, it is light, okay? And we, human beings, with our equipment, with our eyes, our brain, our ears, whatever, we are only able to perceive 0.0035% of what is there. So if you imagine then that there's 99.9965% of information 
in the electromagnetic fields that we live in that we can't perceive. That's mind-blowing, Bex, isn't it? I mean, that blows my yeah. mind, what visible light. I remember seeing um, David Icke on stage 15 years ago or whatever it was, and I didn't know any of this. <laughs> I knew nothing of it. And then I'm, well, I'm sitting there, mind completely blown. Yes, what else is in that field yeah. that we can't see and what's going if on we, there? If we, can't, if we can only perceive 0.035%, then imagine, because it isn't just, it's electromagnetic energy, but within it, it holds information. It holds information. And so I think when Yvonne was talking last week about, well, how is that possible that I can type into Google and click and there it all is. Instantly. You know, instant. And me and Tasha just got to the conclusion that it's, all of that information is out there in this electromagnetic soup that we live in. And we are, you know, we are brought up and conditioned to be completely unaware of that and that we're electromagnetic creatures completely electromagnetic our heartbeat every synapse that's fired it's electromagnetic we're electric beings so we're part of that information exchange and soup of electromagnetism we're not sort of outside of it it runs through us there's a wonderful book actually called The Invisible Rainbow, A History of Electricity and Life by Arthur Fistenberg, I think it was. And that changed the way that I look at light and electromagnetism and my environment. So I recommend if anyone's interested, read it. If you can't be bothered to read it, we podcasted on it. I think that was 61, number 61, where we discussed the book. Because you know, we don't. If we understand our environment a little bit more, maybe we can have a little bit more control over what is going on in our environment. You know, um, and keeping from ourselves how we work and how our environment works is the best way to keep us dumb. I think. I'm fascinated by this. You're, you're listening to Bex Clifton. Bex is um, one half of the Tash and Bex Flex. A YouTube channel. Get on there and and check it out. It's a really fascinating stuff. This I have to just quickly interject there and say that the juicy stuff is now on a. We had to start Patreon in March, so our, the stuff we can't put on YouTube is on our Patreon. But it's the same name, and it is a pound a month. We we went for the lowest we could. It's just to protect us from censorship and all the strikes we were getting on YouTube. So the fluffy stuff goes out on YouTube. Fair enough. And it's the same, so, and if you're looking for the Patreon, it's basically the same name, the Tash and Bex Flex, but just look for Patreon. I get that. I get that. Uh, The link is usually under under our YouTube bids anyway, but we've had to just tone it down on there because otherwise we were going to get chucked off. Can can I ask Um, you a question, um, Bex? What exactly were the strikes around? I mean, what were you discussing that led to the strikes? Because... Um, oh. well, this this is obviously very interesting and very important, but th- I've not seen them too often close down um, or delete videos when it's talking about um, the nature of reality. Well, what exactly was it that got to the, the, the strikes? Um, the last one, you see, because they'll, what they'll do is I'll put something up that they don't like and then they go back on the old videos and flag something else up. So usually... A couple of times it's been medical misinformation because right. Tasha's a nurse and I'm by trade, I'm a healer. So actually we often pod on alternative ways to stay healthy. Um, so we, we get 
we've, we've been strike, struck off for that. But the last time they, they um, the last one they nicked was our top 10. I think it was our top 10 psyops, actually. We did a top 10. Right. And I put it, I put it on and it didn't, and because we have trouble with getting our videos up. So sometimes I put them on there unlisted and then bounce them to another platform. So it wasn't even open to the public. And they took that down and gave us a strike. And, um, oh, God, we've had strikes over all sorts. I mean, they don't like the stuff that I do about, um, you know, uh, anything to do with uh, brotherhoods. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Indeed. Um, fraternities. Um, I mean, I got very we both got very targeted last year because we used to do a lot in the truth and movement, serving notices and all that. That's kind of how we, we started. Um, common law and um, you know getting people to stand in their sovereignty and all that sort of stuff and we upset some people and yeah got got really targeted so we thought we'd change our tack bring bring the focus out and look at the bigger picture of where are we living how does it work why are we enslaved so easily I mean instantly you you own energy you've enslaved us haven't you because we've got to pay for it. That's right, you're, so you're an, an eternal slave, sense. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it makes sense that in order to enslave humanity, which without doubt has happened, they would have taken all the antiquitech down, stopped all the free energy, hard, popped, popped electricity through wires, you know, as if it's separate to us and doesn't run through us as beings anyway, and start charging us for it. And, and boom, there you have it, you've enslaved humanity. So... I think it was one of the first ways that, and I think, you know, there, there obviously was some kind of a civilization called, that we call the Tartarians or Tartaria that was probably across the whole planet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But we just... Um, and there may have been so, others that predated that civilization, uh, Bex. This absolutely. is the interesting thing, yeah, because you said yourself that it's believed that there was a full stop put on or there was an end put to maybe several different advanced civilizations on in this reality, Earth, whatever it is, over yeah. um, over a very very long time, right? Yes, uh, I mean, I, I me and Tash don't uh, agree on all things, which I like. We we often have slightly different ideas about around things, but we both agree that we've been reset a, a number of times when you look at history as it's kind of, not as it's told, actually, as it's hidden, because it's, you've got to dig for this stuff. It's not in your history books at school, is it? You know, you've, you've got to look outside of the box. Yeah. Um, and one of the great things about Tash, because she's, she's an amazing researcher, she's incredibly dyslexic, but it actually gets, she thinks so differently to me that that's why I love working with her, because... You know, I'll come, we'll, we'll both go, right, we'll, we, we'll research this. I, I do mind she does her, but we'll come up with completely different things because she she thinks outside of the box more than I do. But that's what makes it interesting. And then, as you say, we put it out to our community. And I enjoyed watching it today. I, en I enjoyed watching it today. I'll check out the Patreon now. Um, in due course, I will, of course. Now, for, for people who are new to this, so, so we say sometimes, well, you do. I'm not a, a researcher, I'm a... I'm a journalist. I like to listen to researchers. If mm. if they have reset civilization or humanity or whatever we are, creatures, beings mm. of light, right? Um, mm. When we've maybe gotten to a higher level of understanding, how would you quantify they? What is it? Who is holding us back? 
Yeah, yeah good question. And over the, the, you know, the years of research, um, we, we all kind of refer to they. And I, a bit like when we refer to God, you know, if you look at all the different religions and all the different belief systems, we've all got our own names for that, whatever that is, you know. If you're if you're a Muslim, you call it Allah. If you're Christian, you call it God. But it's the same thing, and I think it's the same with they. And um, they they come by lots of of names, but we're all referring to the same thing. So some people call it, um, you know, the the tribe of Dan, the seed of Satan, the bloodlines, the thirteen bloodlines. You know, that's all kind of one aspect, one way of looking at they. Other people look at they as Anunnaki, Nephilim, mentioned in the Bible, you know. Um, so in other words, people that came from outside, if you like, and um, bred with the women. I mean, that's all documented in the Bible. So there's they that you could refer to as Anunnaki, Nephilim. or We've just, we've just lost um, Bex there momentarily. I don't know what happened there. Let me um, sort it out and get her back on. Bex, we're back in the room. Apologies for oh. that. It's my end. There's been a couple of uh, tech issues Is this it? evening. Yeah, it's no big deal. It happens once in a blue moon. I had a problem earlier on too. I think I've just sorted it. And you were right getting to the meaty stuff. I asked you about I know, who I, they are. I always, find it, I always find it interesting when I get cut off in interviews and stuff, what I'm talking about. So that was, I found that very interesting. Yeah, we're, we're pretty well, there. I'm pretty well insulated um, against any sort of interference here. So it won't be that. It's just a, a oh silly good. text okay. thing. So you mentioned then the Nephilim and I read something yeah, in the yeah. papers today. Would you believe I read in the papers today about jinn? I read about the jinn in one of the tabloids. The so yeah, Muslims, Muslims yeah, would say jinn. So this is who it is believed is. Um, well, I just, I just call it the overlay now i don't refer to it being any particular what, what how i see it is there's an overlay here that shouldn't be here is not natural to us it's an overlay in the electromagnetic field um which you know affects us in all sorts of ways of the perception our perception i think we're very programmed um and if you think about your television electromagnetic you know it, it's all I just think it's, I just call it the overlay because I don't know who they are specifically. I think they come under many, many names. Can I jump but, in very quickly? This is brilliant. So you, yeah. so, so if I see a grey then, or if I am, uh, if I come under some sort of attachment or something, it might, mm -hmm. I might see it as something or it might be seen mm -hmm. as something, something grotesque or something monstrous. But what you're saying is it might not actually be that at all. It's how we're interpreting it. Yeah, it's your perception also. You're, yeah. You've been given a load of programming through Hollywood and horror movies of what aliens, if you like, we're talking aliens at the moment, what they look like. And that they come from out there, yeah? They come from up there, out in the sky, right? Um, and And... I just think these are part, these are programs, these are programs so that if you did see something otherworldly, your brain would put it into one of those archetypes it could, it can understand. Yeah, very you know what good. I mean? Yeah, I get it, yeah. And, and actually, because I work in, uh, I mentioned I was a healer, I, I work, I remove attachments from people. That's one of the things that is the main bit of my work at the moment because it's so rife, you know. But, but to me, they're like cockroaches. They're just nothing because I have no fear of them. Do you know what I mean? 
But if you've been brought up in a paradigm of fear of anything that isn't, you know, physically in your electromagnetic suit that you can see, that you fear it, you know, in that electromagnetic field that, that we can't see, that's where all the quantum stuff is. So that's where all the interdimensional stuff is. I'm sorry, I know I'm getting really. No, way no, no, out it's good, there. it's good, it's good. No, but <laughs> is it so? So would you? You would. Um, I, I never ask people if they believe or if they agree because it, 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 it's not the right question. Do you have um, some sympathy then with the the holographic theory? The idea that while we're conscious of ourselves and we're we we, we certainly are. Um, um, alive, we are alive and we are thinking and conscious but actually the things we see around us might not be real and might be projected, oh, I'm yeah. fascinated by this Absolutely, I mean Tash is the one to, she's, she's, this is right up Tash's street, this is, there's a lot of this on the Patreon actually because this is what we've been looking at recently, you know is it a simulation um, it, it's kind of I struggle with that more than Tash because I'm a bit of a you know, I'm a bit spiritual and I, I'm like, no, but where's room for the soul in that, in that premise, you know, in that idea. But I do believe that a lot of what we look up in the sky, you know, we've got to look at the stuff that apparently we're sprayed with in chemtrails is also the same three chemicals that you need to make holograms. That's interesting, isn't it? I didn't know that. So you're talking yeah. barium, strontium and aluminium. Am I leaving one out? That's it. Right. No, that's it. Those three, right? They make holograms. So why why would they be spraying stuff that makes holograms into the sky? Is and that true? Some clouds. You've, you've totally caught me there. Yeah, that. some clouds I look at and I think, oh yeah, that looks like a cloud like when I was a kid. You know, I'm 54, so talking 70s. And then I see other clouds that look like they're whipped up frequency weird clouds that I don't remember seeing when I was a kid. You know, really yeah. sort of feathery and wispy and strange bubbly shapes that go across the sky like a blanket yeah and those type of things i mean we did a whole load of stuff into harp and all the weather weather modification patents and you just it just blows your mind and that's been going on since 1880 so they use technologies they especially if they are kind of futuristic races which uh, that's one theory you know that are uh, back in the mix here but you know, uh, I'm sure that there are technologies that they use that we just have no clue about. As in the ether and all the information that's just out there that just zips into these little black screens that we have when we push the button. Yeah, I interviewed Eric von Daniken a few times over the years. And yeah. some people don't like Eric. I, I, I generally tend to like everybody. I, I, I speak about these issues, even if I don't agree with them. And he, yeah. he convinced me that the evidence is all around us. And you talked about it earlier on. St. Petersburg, some of our listeners are, are mentioning now, you mentioned uh, Tartaria. But he, yeah. he, he says, look, even for the most obstinate and the most obtuse people, the evidence is all around us that in what we believe is the ancient world, they were far, far more advanced technically than, advanced. than we are told. Yeah. Absolutely. There's not, you know, and that just says that there's a lie. There's a big lie. Now, what you make of that lie, I don't, I don't care. You know, I'm like you. I don't have to agree with who I'm interviewing or anything. I'm just interested in their perspective. Yeah. And we need to look at different narratives and different perspectives. Do you know something, you though? Know on, on the chemtrails, um, mm. my, my closest friends, including my um, engineer, who's um, more than a great friend, um, very intelligent people. They're not cheap at all or anything like it. But they just do not believe 
that the, 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 the skies are being sprayed with heavy metals. Now, I do believe it. I'm convinced right. that it's happening. But um, yeah. some, some of the, this is one that people, um, and I'm going to sound, I suppose, arrogant to my friends when I say this, but they, they just cannot get their heads around that. They're happy to believe, or they know that we are coming under, you know, constant attack in terms of freedoms oh, yeah. being taken away from us and all of that. But yeah. they, they, yeah. they don't buy this one, uh, Bex. Well, we kind of, we, we share our research. So we, we shared a journey because initially we looked at chemtrails, yes, they were a thing. But then when we looked into it more and we realised that the chemicals also we used to make holograms, then that led us down a slightly different pathway with it. We're certainly um, sprayed, but to what extent, you know, we don't think there are chemtrail units, you know, that go off like we've seen footage of on the Trufa movement, because I think a lot of that, there's so many psyops within the Trufa movement, um, it's un, untrue, you know. So, but like, yeah, definitely. And, and the main thing is to, we should just be questioning, asking, why? Why are there vapor trails we see? Some of them disappear and some of them don't, and they spread out. And they become cloud. There's two different vapor trails going on there, isn't there? Yeah, you're so right. Yeah, you've got to ask logical questions. And this, as you were saying earlier, about you know the most important thing is just to be open to the fact that we've been lied to. So therefore, look at it all again and take it back to basics, like the the environment, the electromagnetic environment we live in. Just that fact alone changed the whole way that I looked at what was going on. You know. Um, and that was only last year and it kind of blew my mind because then I was like, as a healer as well, it explained a lot of the things that go on for me when I'm working, you know, it, it answered a lot of the questions of the things that happen to me that I see and how do I, how do I manage to work on someone I've never met before through a photograph and affect their electromagnetic, affect their energy body and affect their physical body it's astounding, when I'm over here. Isn't it astounding? I've had, yeah. when somebody said to me a few years ago, I'll do some distance healing. Now, Bex, um, mm. b- before I share this very brief anecdote, and we, we hear more from you because we're here to hear you, uh, the Tash and Bex, that's B-E-X Flex, the Tash and Bex Flex, yeah. look for it on Patreon. Um, you'll also find it on, on YouTube. Look, I, I was very, I was very, I don't know, I, I won't say arrogant, but when I heard things like distance healing, I'm like, give over, you know. That's, yeah. I mean, have, you know, take the piss out of me all you want, but don't. I've had distance healing and I'm, you know, I'm the one who is sceptical about it. And it's yeah. it's helped me immeasurably, to be honest. Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? And I mean, the electro, learning about all this has helped me to understand. Yeah. I know that sounds stupid, because, but I started off as a hands-on healer like 24 years ago. And so I've progressed into, you know, like it was about, I don't know, I'd been working maybe 10 years before I started working absently and it was because somebody couldn't get to me. So I said, well, I'm just going to imagine that you're here and I'm just going to do what I would do if you were here. And it worked. And that then has gone on to, obviously, over the last few years, I don't see anybody because of lockdowns and things like that. I couldn't see anybody through that period. But it doesn't matter. And I work with people all over the world. And I don't profess to know how it works. But it does work, and that's the important thing. That's all that matters. We are, we are all connected, actually, in this electromagnetic soup. And I think all you, if we had been left to our own devices, we'd probably all have such um, navigation of that electromagnetic field that we would consider ourselves to be psychic. You know? 
because you could send something out in your electromagnet field to mine and I would receive it in, in, in real time because that's kind of what we're talking about that happens on our devices. And I know we don't have those abilities now because we've been brought up to believe we don't have those abilities. But if we had more command over it, do you, do you see what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. actually invested in it, um, you know, intellectually and practically kind of dropping down into our own energy and feeling it because we are electromagnetic. Everything in this realm has four states, you know, solid, liquid, gas, plasma. And we have that too. And we have a toroidal field that comes out of our heart. This is all science. It's not mumbo jumbo. It's science, you know. And it actually, when science and mysticism marry, I think that's when we make our next big leap in terms of our evolution, which is, is what I think is happening now. They're trying to reset us and we're evolving. That's some, that. that's I some, hope. Yeah, I hope. <laughs> that, that's some soundbite, that, by the way, what you said there. When science and mysticism marry, you said yes. that's when we will make our next big leap. That's a, yes. yeah, it's pretty profound, that, that's, yeah. That's what I believe. That's what I believe. And I think it's in this electromagnetism, which is the quantum, which is all of the stuff that has basically been hidden from us. And we've been very dumbed down. I mean, look at the diets we've given. Look at the poisons in our body. It's sick and dumb and, and also just not have the energy to be bothered to look into any of this. You know, let's just turn the TV on and watch another, you know, another round of A-Standers yeah. or whatever. No, turn your telly off. Look, read some books. Find out about how you work and how your environment works and the, the, the realm that we're in. Because, you know, none of us know really anything other than what we've been told all the way through ch childhood, through school, you know, in education, in university, it's all the same narrative. And we know it's a lie. We can see the lie when we look at the architecture. It's blatant. Yeah, yeah, they tell us that five, six hundred years ago, people were basically rolling around in the mud outside of castles, where yeah. kings and queens were, you know, yeah. gorging themselves yeah. on food. Yeah. Yeah, and we've got this big period that's called the Dark Ages, where nobody sort of seems to know what the hell went on then. Why? You know, people could write, people could scribe, people were, you know, so there's big holes in, in the timeline of history as well when you look back at it. And I mean, I've done loads of stuff on, you know, why is there Egyptian stuff all over the world in Greece, in Scotland, South America, in Ireland. The pyramids in South you America, know. the pyramids in Ukraine. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So there were other races that, that I think were living, you know, I think Tartaria, the, the Egyptians before Egypt fell, because I think, you know, I think timeline wise, it was about 6,000 years ago that we were first kind of infiltrated or whatever you want to call it. And I know that I have way out there views. I understand that. But I love to like blast the lid off things. And I'm laughing my head off at this. Um, the agenda at the moment of aliens, you know, coming from 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 the sky and all of this, because I just think, don't people realise that they're here and they've been here for thousands of years? I look and at they my look like us, yeah. And they, they, you know, but they have no heart, no soul. You know, that's the difference between us and them or they, whoever you wanna, however you wanna term it. Well, yeah, and that's my personal belief is that. They've been here for donkeys and they, they control everything and we're all just, you know, asleep watching TV, believing all the distractions, 
um, you know, getting all passionate about the truth movement or this or that or whoever it is, you know, when actually uh, the power's in us and in our energy and in our electromagnetic energy and just realising that where attention goes, energy flows. If you don't like what you're seeing, don't invest in it. Don't engage. It off, get rid of your telly. Yeah, basically don't engage. Yeah. You know... And, um, and going, so- sovereignty isn't just, you know, a, a, a sort of lawful thing. You know, it, it's, just, it's an energetic thing as well. Be sovereign in your energy because, you know, people do get... I mean, the amount of work I do is, people that have got you know attachments and things and that's all this sort of spell casting as they call it in the 4d you know which the brotherhoods and things are all involved with at the top at the darker end of things so i just think we need to learn and learn how to use it back basically do you know you know this is um this is really interesting bex uh, good to have you on the program i said ukraine i'm wrong it's bosnia of course the ancient pyramids in Bosnia which 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 I suppose historians at least the the mainstream ones will or the the accredited ones they they continue to claim that the pyramids in Bosnia are not real it's just a natural strange land formation but strange phenomena yeah, yeah. but um no they, they look pretty that, much like a, pyramids to a me cover story though isn't it you kind yeah. of know yeah. something you just think oh, that's a bit odd you know they We've got, we've got to get savvier. We've got to have more discernment about what, I mean, with dinosaurs, for example, if you look at them, look at their bodies and then ask yourself how they bred. Because when you look at them anatomically and you look at how animals breed, yeah. you know, the male gets on top of the woman from behind, right? Yeah. It's mostly graphic at, at whatever time called it, seven at night. But, you know, and you look at their physicality and you realise well, unless they did some other positions we don't know about, they would have had a hell of a lot of difficulty. And then you think, well, is, is that is that is that true, or is that a lie? Because you know, you you've got you just have to uh, and look at the basics of things. Look at the etymology. Etymology is a really good way of kind of looking at the truth of something. The word planet means a small section of the plane so as soon as I knew that that was when I started to look at are we on a ball or are we on a plane then because the word planet means a small section of a larger plane you know so I use those sort of clues you know as to well why 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 would the etymology of the word say that unless am I on a small section of a, of a plane do you, do you see what I mean I do my old pal Jordan Maxwell I was very close with him was hugely into etymology we used to get into this um back in my days in spain we'd spend hours on the radio talking about it what a subject that is allow me to read a couple of comments because um hundreds have come in hundreds is actually underestimating it it's far more than hundreds Uh, (laughs) bernard says the fact that pyramids were built all over the world at the same time without any ability for people to have communicated with with each other shows, in my opinion, says Bernard, that we are living in a hologram. A tiny part of a hologram has all the information in it to produce the the whole of it. That's um, Bernard. Patricia says, in my opinion, it wouldn't be difficult to be more intelligent than the majority of humans on the planet right now. Thank you, Patricia. Chris has been on to say... 
And um, what Bex is saying about how dumbed down and light to we are, well, combined, says uh, Chris, with the digital communication age, age even, I find it easy to believe that the pandemic was a total construct. It seems more obvious by the day. Claire Conway has been in touch to say, I kid you not, Richie, there is significant evidence of a pyramid in the heart of the South Wales Valley. I didn't know that. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's definitely there were um, ancient Egyptians over in the British Isles, for sure, because you've got the tomb of Scotia as well. In I think in that's in Ireland. That's in, oh, my God, I should remember this. I'm so bad at remembering county. Oh, I'll have to get back to yeah, you. Yeah, I can't tell you out there, sadly, yeah. But there's a, there's, a, there's a tomb to her there. And also Scotia then went to Scotland. And that is allegedly where Scotland, Scotia land comes from. So, you know, you sort of think, wow, there's so much in there. And Gaelic, when you look at the etymology of Gaelic and then you look at the uh, etymology of ancient Egyptian, it's very similar. So, you know, there's clues there. You've got to find them yourself. Um, and you've got to dig and, you know, you've got to be open minded to the fact that if we've been lied to about something as huge as a whole civilization, what the hell else have we been lied to what about? What else is going know? on? Julie, Julie's been yeah. in touch to say this. You mentioned harp and that takes me back to my days in Spain. Uh, Begich was a guy I used to speak to regularly. Um, but mm. Ju- Julie says they use Nexrad now, she says. Nexrad, N-E-X-R-A-D, is like a new version of harp. Julie says it's big white balls. They have them in Gibraltar, she says. And a researcher right. called Louis Edward Diani spoke to those installing them. Uh, they work by radio waves and they can change weather and change mood. Nexrad, that's new to me. Um, I, I've mm, never heard I mean, of that. Yeah, when we did the stuff on the on the patents, it was just so clear that they've been manipulating the weather for, for well, since eighteen eighty. I mean, so we're talking a hundred, hundred and forty years, and so you know all of these natural disasters, I you know in inverted commas and tornadoes and hurricanes and even the summer we're having now, you know, it's all I I believe uh, it's contrived. Yeah. And don't forget um, as well, Bex, that back in 1977, um, I don't know how many countries, but um, many dozens of countries, 78, I think, uh, including the UK, China, Germany and the US in 1977, they signed the environment, sorry, they signed a treaty promising not to modify the weather. So that's nearly 50 years ago. Why would they do that unless they knew they could manipulate the weather? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, it, it's all there. If you dig, it's all there, you know, and it's just remembering that we're programmed, we're programmed and we're programmed right from the off. And we've got to question everything now. And I think, like you said, like the, I can't remember the person who said it, but you know, that the, the pandemic was completely, you know, as people are piecing together now, very much by design, it was, you know, and, and it has reset us in many ways. We have a very different health service. We have a very different um, world. You know, you go out on a Saturday night now, it's not like it was before, no, is it? it, it is not. All you've it got is. out there is just eat delivery drivers, Deliveroo, and a couple of rogue people like me skulking about. But it's just 
society has just accepted that change, you know, and not got back to where we were. I mean, I think we're all, I think the whole world is probably, was traumatised by it. And actually that's not talked about either. Nobody talks about the trauma and the real weirdness of that, that period of time. Everyone's just sort of carrying on regardless, you know. But actually that was a huge attempt at resetting us. And lots of other things besides that, you know, went on at that in that period of time. But I think that they moved a bit quickly. They've shown their own hand. And actually, inadvertently, they've... I mean, I don't like to call, say to people, you know, are you awake and all this shit? Are you woke? Are you awake? I think the phrase should be, are you aware? Because we have to, you know, you wake up and then you have to move through all that and become aware which is sort of a next level thing of an awareness of your environment, of yourself, of who you are as a human being and how you work and, and how you're being manipulated, how you're being manipulated. And, and by working all of that out, you then step out of all the kind of, um, you know, all of the kind of the, the circus that's going on out there and you, you know, you become empowered and in your own sovereignty through being aware. And it does change the way you live your life as well, because it's a very freeing thing to realise that it's all a load of theatre. It doesn't matter which political side you're on, which country. They're all working in cahoots. And that's what the pandemic showed us, didn't it? It did, it did indeed. And I have this out with people who are very supportive of the Russian government at the moment. You know, I have it out with them and I say, listen, come on, do you honestly believe that mm. the same hidden hand isn't controlling the Russian government and the Chinese government? And, and yet, you yeah. know, even... It's, yeah, it's, it's all of them, isn't it? It's all of Everyone them. And that's them. a bit, that's a difficult thing to get your head around at first, that it's all of them. And then you can feel very overwhelmed and, you know, oh gosh, what can we do? But actually it's... It, 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 it's what you do that's really important and, and that is step out of that circus and understand that it's just, it's theatre to keep you locked into this sort of, you know, this state of being, of inertia and depression and all of those things that many people feel in the world at the moment and I understand that. But actually by empowering yourself with knowledge and awareness of who we really are and what this this beautiful place that we live in really is about and yeah I think it's all in the electromagnetism it's all in it's all in light and um we've done a lot of stuff on light and light and health and electromagnetism and health you know um and it's yeah it's it's been a really good year of research actually um it's not at all. It's opened up a lot of new doors and, and new new ways of thinking for me, which, you know, um, is the whole point. We And the other thing me and Tasha would say is these, these, this is our research and we're sharing it, but our opinions change month to month because as we discover something new, we go, oh, that slightly changes that. Well, that's thing. very that important. That. Yeah, that's yeah, very as important. As soon as you yeah. say, I've got the answers, you, you might you find out well, something, yeah. Yeah, because none of us, I don't want the answers. I want to keep looking, keep looking, you know, and just become more and more and more aware, you know. If I get the answer, then it's kind of, oh, well, what else am I going to do while I'm here? You know what I mean? Um, I'm going to keep digging and keep trying to bring the truth out. And, you know, and we, as, as Tash and Beck Flex is about, it's about flexing back and going, look, you know, have a load of this. 
and with doing where it. I'm picking this. Yeah, and doing it with humility and and humour. Uh, to be continued because we're just out of time. That's. Yeah. I was going to say it's a fascinating field of research, area of research. I'm more and more interested in it as time goes on. And uh, um, yeah, we love it. It's we brilliant. love it. We think it's great. Yeah, we enjoy doing the research, and we have a good old laugh when we do the podcast as well. So. I, which is what I got when I was watching it today. So the Tash and Bex Flex, you'll find it on Patreon. Check it out there. Yeah. And also uh, on YouTube, the fluffy stuff on YouTube, the hard stuff yeah. on, on Patreon. I really <laughs> yeah, enjoyed it, Bex. <laughs> yeah, if you want a hardcore stuff, yeah. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Thanks for getting in touch and reaching out. And uh, no great worries, to meet you. Richie, really good to talk to you. Thanks ever so much. And give our best to Tash. I really appreciate that. I too. will do. Yeah, I will do. I miss her. It's weird you're being somewhere without her, but that's just the way it works out. Tonight. Next time we <laughs> chat, we'll do a three way, right? We'll get you up. Lovely. On. We'll do a three way. Yeah, exactly. we love a three way. <laughs> All right, thanks, Richie. Thanks. Thanks, Bex. You're very welcome. Thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, Bex Clifton, it's B-E-X, the Tash and Bex Flex. They're a couple of really good mates who research these areas, these esoteric and, and other areas. And um, she was listening to me speaking with Yvonne on Thursday and was mad keen to get involved. So she reached out to us and uh, yeah, so that's why she was on. Great to have her on. And also a big shout out to John Curtin's uh, who came on the programme earlier to discuss, of course, um, the horrible goings-on at Marshall Bio Resources in Cambridge. Uh, thecampbeagle.com is the website. Uh, thecampbeagle.com Right, so that was a that was a hectic old show and communication issues notwithstanding. Just a bit mad today. Thanks for your company, as usual. The programme will be on Podomatic really soon. And your regular podcast provider will have it. I've been Richie Allen. Thanks again to Bex Clifton and to John Curtins. We'll speak tomorrow, you and I, at uh, five o'clock UK time. Sally Beck will be on the programme tomorrow. We'll also be speaking to a lawyer. And um, it's going to be a very interesting show tomorrow, so do, do, uh, do tune in at five. Until then, look after yourselves and one another. Bye. What did I say about communication problems? What did I say about it? Mad stuff is going off here, yeah. Could just be that I'm useless. It could just be that I'm on the the, the, the brink of taking my holiday. That could be it too. Anyway, Donovan closing us out. Bye now. The continent of Atlantis was an island which lay before the Great Flood in the area we now call the Atlantic Ocean.